0: STEM is a commonly known acronym that stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. These fields of study propel students to work in various jobs and industries throughout the world, from working as an environmental engineer, web developer, accountant, biochemist, teacher, psychologist, and more. This field is quickly rooting itself in several industries within Canada, leaving STEM undergraduate majors with ample opportunities to enter the workforce. However, There's still a lacking number of students who enter these disciplines in Canada. So what can we do to promote more engagement in the industry? Is investing in students the answer to solve issues facing the agricultural sector? From Vivid Machines, this is Cassie Turkstra, and you are listening to Vivid Machines Variety. Today, I have invited on one of our current co-op students, Anish, to discuss his accomplishments in the field and give an overall layout of where he thinks STEM is headed in Canada. Thank you for coming in today. It's a pleasure to have you.
1: The pleasure is indeed yours. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Hi, Kathy, Thank you for having me on here. (laughs) No
0: problem. It is my pleasure. So Anish, you're currently working at Vivid Machines. But I know you have a slew of really interesting experiences under your belt, including establishing your own startup. So why don't you tell our listeners a bit about your past experience that led into your job here at Vivid Machines?
1: For sure. So, well, first of all, my name is Anish and I'm a fourth year student in electrical engineering at the University of Waterloo. If I just go a little bit back, I've always really loved creating things and, well, more importantly, taking things apart. And that's one of the reasons why I joined engineering. And in terms of more recent experience, I've had internships at companies like Bombardier Aerospace, where I've worked at the business jet division on their electrical drawings, mechanical system stress analysis, and also some project management work there. Now, more recently at Ecobee, this is a company that makes smart home thermostats and other smart home products. I was again responsible for the circuit design, but I was also involved in a bit of programming there too. One of the biggest projects I think I've worked on would be research at the university. Since 2017, I've been working with a professor at the university and the professor specializes in optics and photonics. Photonics is just a fancy way of saying Um, You know studying the behavior of photons photons are essentially packets of energy that we perceive as light this research that we've been conducting has Spawned a startup that you mentioned recently and it was a food technology startup and so what we did was we took this knowledge of infrared spectroscopy that is essentially looking at the interaction of infrared waves with various objects. Using this technology, we're actually able to send out these waves to these fruits and vegetables, and what we receive is information of various ingredients that make up these these fruits and vegetables, so things like the amount of sugar that's there and so on. And using that, we're able to see uh, how sweet the fruit or vegetable is, we're able to see how fresh this fruit or vegetable is and so on. And that's really what that startup was about, which we ended up actually selling uh, in in early 2020.
0: Oh, wow. That's awesome. You talked a bit about your school experience, so I'd love to dive more into that. How did you find your university journey to be? I know that that's a central driver for many students to not get involved in science, technology, engineering, or mathematics. Would you mind offering some insight into the reality of the university experience?
1: For sure. So one of the biggest things that I liked personally about my university experience, uh, being at the University of Waterloo, they all their engineering programs have a co-op element associated with it, and that would mean, in our case, we'd study for four months and go for an internship or a co-op term for the next four months, and we'd keep doing that till we graduate. So one of the biggest things that I took from this was we learn about the theory in class, and we actually try and apply it on our co-op or internship terms, and really really helped for me personally because I was able to see what I learned in class and how I'm able to actually apply and use that uh, on various in various projects and industries So for example, I've now worked at Vivid Machines and really had a sense for the agricultural industry I'm Looking and seeing how I can use my electrical knowledge and my programming knowledge to better help AgTech. Now with Ecobee it was smart home products and consumer electronics with Bombardier Aerospace, it was literally airplanes. So it's, I would say that the university experience overall, personally, I really like the mix of having work experience along with learning things in class because it really helps combine the two. It helps uh, you to solidify your knowledge and also helps you better understand where you want to go in the future and uh, what type of career path you might want to pursue. Or at least I should say it helps you realize what you may not want to do as well, which can be just as important as I've been told.
0: No, that's so true. Seeing the real world application of a lot of these things and actually getting to try it out yourself is so important when figuring out where you want to go in the future and industries you want to try out further. I think that's great. And Mm -hmm. when I was in high school, when somebody was going into math or science, everybody automatically assumed they wanted to be an accountant or a doctor or one of the jobs that you hear out of those fields. So do you think that there needs to be more education to all the different possible career paths that come out of entering one of these fields?
1: That's a really good question, Cassie. And uh, I think, yes, to some extent. And this has to be done perhaps in high school and maybe even near the end of middle school, I would say, because uh, you're right. One of the ways I think that this can be tackled is to have a lot of after school programs or perhaps even. Uh, workshops during the day for students so i think it's nice to have someone come in and talk about their career path that helps but from my experience we hear the person it goes in one ear and just comes out from the other right so it's it's good to have that consistent exposure but at some point i feel like students especially i'm talking about myself need some applicable experience And this would entail having some workshops that maybe introduce them. I'm talking about STEM just because this is something that I've been introduced to, Uh, having workshops where you make a little car out of a mousetrap, for example, right? So applicable things that are interesting that really help show, okay, I will use my trigonometry skills to do X, Y, and Z, and so on. There was an organization that I volunteered for in high school that helped elementary and middle school students in STEM fields. So they would have things like uh, after-school programs for helping them with their homework. And they would also have various projects uh, like building robots out of Legos and out of simple household materials that you have there. So that was something that was really geared towards the STEM audience.
0: Oh, yeah, no, that's awesome. I think those are really great ideas to promote more engagement and knowledge of the different possibilities. So going into more agriculture-based questions... How do you think we can get more people and students specifically involved in the ag tech industry? Thinking of this in relation to getting more engineers and computer scientists involved, what would you recommend or any ideas to encourage more people to enter this industry?
1: Well, that's another great question. I think... Personally, if I look at my experience, I did not know much about the ag tech industry. The only reason I found out more about this was because of the food technology startup that spawned from the research with my professor. And so I think if I were to talk to my classmates and friends, not a lot of them would know about about the integration of technology with agriculture to this extent. Obviously we know that there is some technology involved, but if we just look at it from a higher level lens for a moment, um, traditionally in the old days, we had you know, farms that, created, uh, that grew fruits and vegetables for people nearby. And now with globalization, we're increasingly, we can eat fruits and vegetables that have been grown on the other side of the world. So with that, we're obviously gonna have a lot of technological innovations that are gonna be necessary and they're gonna spur growth, even more growth as uh population on this planet increases and one of the biggest things i think is awareness because educating people like my classmates for example who would only think of say consumer electronic companies like the big the fang companies apple google facebook and so on they think about that when they think about technology and software engineering they don't necessarily think about agricultural tech So I think the biggest thing is perhaps having more people um, coming in, informing them, maybe having seminars in university, introducing students to the fact that this is in fact a growing industry. It's a large industry and there is a need for technological innovation in this industry. Another way we can perhaps increase this awareness would be through hackathons. So for those who aren't familiar, for the listeners who aren't familiar, hackathons are essentially uh, weekend long stints that various organizations or universities hold for students, university or high school students to come and work on a product. And they'll usually have various prizes for various categories. Uh, For example, there'll be one where a certain software company will want students to use their API or their code to create something. And so they'd have a certain category prize for that. Oh, the student with the best project using our code wins this prize. So perhaps Involving students or connecting with students in this sense where they have category prizes for agricultural tech would really start pushing this forward because then students are going to realize, wow, there is a need for technology and for programming skills, embedded skills, hardware skills, and so on in this industry. And that's something that I can do. And that's, I would say, what I would think of when I think of an undergraduate student and their perspective.
0: Oh, no, that's a great idea. I can imagine students using that too get an idea of what's happening in the field and possibly get interested in it. So I think that's that's fantastic. You stand as a great example of some of the interesting applications of your studies. Can you talk more about your work that you do here at Vivid Machines? And going off of this, how your experience has been in the field of agricultural technology so far?
1: Oh, you're giving me too much credit. <laughs> <laughs> well, so... I would say my role at Vivid Machines can be classified into two types, hardware and embedded. And I'll explain what that means. So uh, if you look at Vivid Machines and product, the camera that we're delivering to customers, if you look at everything inside the camera, the boards, the PCBs I was talking about, various circuits, that entails a lot of the hardware. One example of the projects I'm working on right now is to design an antenna. this antenna is going to be responsible for the communication between the camera and the tablet that a user can hold to control this camera. What are the embedded projects? So what is embedded? what do embedded systems engineers really do? If we look at various components that are in cameras and devices and so on, we have to program them in some way so that they do what we want. And Embedded systems is just a fancy way of saying that we want to program these boards, these chips, these components, these cameras, and so on. And that's, and so one of my projects for an embedded systems, for example, is uh, to do with programming an accelerometer. So we currently recently wanted our cameras to be able to tell us whether they are turned to the left or turned to the right. Because as a farmer is going through a field on an ATV or a tractor, the camera could be turned to the left, showing the left row of trees, or to the right, showing the right row of trees. And to do that, we use something called an accelerometer, which tells us the acceleration of itself in a certain direction. And so using that data, we're able to then gather, okay, if the a TV or the chip is moving in this direction will know that the camera is oriented in one direction or the other. So designing the algorithm, uh, making sure that communication between the accelerometer and uh, the main computer is working fine, is seamless, and coding that communication, those are some of the tasks that I was really working on vivid machines. And the great thing about uh, the company is that it's really easy to see what we're doing and how it uh, aligns with the end goal of the company and their mission. because it's very obvious that I'm working on something that is going to be used in the field. Mm-hmm. And that's why I would say it's really rewarding, actually, to have that. And that's something you find in such companies where you know, you're know you so closely associated with the clients uh, and the product that you really feel rewarded whenever you work on something, whether it's really small or whether it's really big, you can really see how it contributes to the end goal, which is what I really like. here.
0: Oh, I totally agree. Because of the fact that we're a small team, I feel like we always support each other in when we see an accomplishment somebody else makes. And you can see that, like what you said, whether it's a small accomplishment or a big accomplishment, it feels good no matter what. And we get to work on podcasts or I get to see the technology you guys are working on in the office. So I, I totally agree with that. You feel really connected to what everybody's working on. And mm, that's great. So on the heels of discussing horticulture... I'd love to just, in general, get your opinion on what you think, if Canada is doing enough to invest in this industry. So in the first half of 2021, the agri-food tech industry has already broken records of investment. It's reached over $24 billion of funding. However, on a by country basis, Canada is on the lower end of that investment. Since you're now an active contributor, like we talked about, and you see the benefits in real world, in the field... Do you think that Canada should do more? Canada should be investing more in these ideas? Yeah,
1: what do you think? I think definitely, yes. Agricultural tech is something that, as you said, it's a fast growing industry and uh, Canada can definitely do more to help with that. And there are various various sectors of government, I believe Innovation Solutions Canada is one of them, where they have various challenges. And so I would think perhaps having more challenges on the agricultural side of things Uh, to spur smaller companies, to spur small startups, or even groups of individuals to really pursue that by providing grants and funding for that would be a really great step for Canada. Uh, Another thing I think that might really help would be, as I mentioned, hackathons. While it may not really seem like a lot, we. When you go into a hackathon and you have you know, agricultural tech really displayed on there and you have students starting to work on that, it's inherently going to be in the back of their minds. And let's face it, students are gonna be the future. They're gonna be the future of the economy, of the industries, and so on. And so if we actually start tackling that at a young age and making sure that they are aware of you know, technological innovation of the ag tech industry and investing in them, I believe that's really gonna have a positive growth uh, for that. And And I talk about Canada because, well, rather we talk about Canada because if you look at Waterloo, for example, with such a great startup community, Toronto, of course, and Peterborough also, I believe, has some startup incubators as well. So looking at Ontario alone, we're already seeing a lot of startups and a lot of that tech innovation occurring. It's just more of that push into ag tech, as you mentioned, and those are some of the ways that we can perhaps uh, improve that for Canada.
0: Those are such fantastic ideas, and you kind of answered two of my questions in one there, because I was going to ask you about how to invest in students and more ideas, because if more innovations are needed in ag tech to solve these big problems of climate change and just smaller problems in the field, should there be more incentives to get students in the industry? And you talking about these hackathons and students getting inherently attached to the technology and subjects that they're working on, I think that's a great way to get student involvement and interest in the industry overall. Last question, and less to do with agriculture, but something important I feel we should address is the lack of diversity in STEM. What do you think are the best ways to engage, and more specifically, more gender diversity in these fields?
1: That's a really great question, and something that's being asked by a lot of people uh, in this day and age. Now, I'll give the example of a TV show called Cosmos, which uh, was actually produced in the 1980s. It was made by someone named Carl Sagan, and it inspired a generation of scientists. We look at scientists today like Neil deGrasse Tyson and so many more, and they all attributed their involvement in science to Carl Sagan and that TV show Cosmos. So when we look at diversity in general in in the industry, um, I've actually spoken to some of my friends about this, and uh, they all agree that To some extent, there I think there is a subconscious, uh, a subconscious desire when we see someone who is a role model who looks like us, or we think, oh, that could be us. And in the case of Carl Sagan, he was he was a specific male role model, and a lot of male scientists ended up thinking, wow, well, I can also fit into this person's shoes, and I can also be like that one day. And so I think. One of the biggest ways in which we can spur this diversity and ensure diversity exists in the workplace, especially in STEM fields, would be to have more role models from various diverse backgrounds. So we're really starting to see now uh, more diversity in role models today, whether we're seeing them on TV shows, in movies, or when people come and give talks, and that's already inspiring the current generation of students to pursue such fields because they now think, oh wow, this person." Seems to be like me, that could be being the future. And so that is going to take time.
0: Yes, I think those are all some really great points. And it's going to be important when going forward in this industry and investing in different ideas to make sure that we're getting a range of different people and different ideas within the fields, because that's the best way we can go about anything is to get different opinions and with people with different experiences. So I think that's just fantastic. Thank you so much for coming in today. It was great getting to talk to a fellow student and hearing about an area of studies I rarely hear about as a business-focused student. I think you're going to do such great things, and it's been a real pleasure getting to work with you.
1: The pleasure is indeed yours. Pleasure is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for having me, Cassie. Yeah, this is definitely a great podcast series, and I'm really glad that, yeah, we were able to ask some really interesting questions and have a great discussion.
0: And thank you so much for coming on. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to another episode of Vivid Machines Variety. Recording podcasts doesn't always go as planned. And that can leave us with quite an entertaining blooper reel when looking back. And after the recording today with Anish, we decided that we'd share some of our favorite moments with you. Okay. Okay. Are you ready?
1: Mhm. Ready. Ready to rumble. Ready to rumble. Mm-hmm. Hi, Cassie. It's great to be here. The pleasure is indeed yours. No. <laughs> no. Sorry. That is not. That, That's. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> That's. <it's> so funny. Right. <laughs> learning some of them in class, a theory, and actually applying them in co-op, and. I froze. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) I'll just continue where I left off. Yeah, all good. Yeah. That's a great question, Cassie. Uh, (laughs) In fact, I guess one of the examples...
0: I didn't know that was part of it. I thought you were just saying that.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we can leave the (laughs) laughing. Sorry.
0: No, I won't laugh this time. I thought you were just telling me it was a good question just anyway. Okay,
1: you can laugh. (laughs) <laughs> I'll be ready this time. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great question, Cassie, and, uh, yes, I think one of the biggest <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Sorry! <laughs> it's one sorry. of those things, like, when you're told not to
0: laugh, everything's funnier. I know. Ooh, okay. <laughs> don't
1: think of a monkey, you need to think of only a monkey. Okay. <clears throat> uh, can you just go over the last of
0: Of course! <laughs> okay. <laughs> And going off of this, how has your experience been overall in the agricultural technology industry?
1: Oh, you're giving me too much credit. (laughs) Well.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Okay. See, I have to mute myself. I know this is not going to go. Okay.
1: I just have to not laugh back. Okay. What
0: am I going to talk
1: about?